Amen. How's everyone doing this morning? So good to see you guys. Remain standing with me as we get into the Word of God today. We're going to go to Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. As we conclude our series, Out of Control, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. This is what the Word of God says. So, before I start, I want to ask this one question. How many of you can identify one troubled area in your life you really want to see change? All right. How many of you have failed trying? All right. Let Romans chapter 7 cheer you up a little bit. This is Paul, and he says this. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin that's living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives inside me. This is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But I do it anyway. Verse 23. But there is another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is so dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Can we thank Him for a moment? Come on. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. Let's pray. Father, I'm pretty sure this morning there's some people that want some change in their life. And I'm pretty sure there are people praying about it and trying but failing. So I would pray, God, that today you would help us to learn and to apply this word to our lives, that you would help me to preach it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we get into the word of God this morning, I want to title this message in our Out of Control series, Help, I Can't Control Myself. Frankie, one second. Frankie, speaker, please. I can't. Help, I Can't Control Myself. So I want to ask you this question. What area of your life do you really want to see change? What area do you want to see God really move? What area is so troubled that you're really trying and praying and working at it, but it just seems like the more you try, maybe you go a day or two or a week or a month, but you just seem to go right back to it. I don't know what that area might look like. Maybe the change you want is in your walk with God. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I just... 
I want to get closer to God. And every time I tell myself, this is the month, this is the week, and this is the day, I'm going to get closer to God, it just seems like I get distracted and I veer off course and I really don't even read my Bible, I don't pray, and I go a long time without really even seeking God. But I really want this area of my life to change. Maybe it's this area of your marriage, and you're saying, well, I really want to see my marriage change. I really want it to get better. I really want us to be more loving towards each other. I really want to get that intimacy back and that love back. But every time it seems like we try, something happens and we just end up fighting again and we're back where we started. Maybe the area of change is in your physical life, in your health, and you're saying, you know, this is the year and the month, I'm really going to change my health. I'm going to lose the weight, I'm going to change this, I'm going to work out and start walking more, eating better, and that happens for a while, and then you fall back into your bad eating habits. Can I get an amen? Or maybe the area is in your finances, you're saying, well, I'm going to really change this area of my life. I don't want to be in debt anymore. I don't want to struggle financially anymore. I want to save. I want to pay off my credit card, my house, my car. I'm really going to work on this. I'm really going to try. And every time, Pastor, it seems like I really try, these beautiful shoes just appear out of nowhere in the store, and I have to have them. And I just spend it on the credit card that I know I can't pay, and I'm back to where I started. Pastor, I even got my stimulus check and it's gone. I don't know where it went. We all have an area in our lives we struggle with. We all have a troubled area we really want to see change because you tell yourself, if I can change this, my life will be so much better. But sadly, this is an area in my life, Pastor, I've lost control in. And I can't control myself. And I really need help because I want to teach you this morning through the help of the Holy Spirit on how to really have self-control. How many of you have yourself in control? No one. Great, this is where we're at. All right. We struggle with self-control. The issues that we have in our lives, let me put it this way. The areas in your life that are out of control can get better with self-control. The areas that are out of control in your life, most likely deep-rooted are a reason. The reason behind it is because of a lack of self-control. Wherever you have no self-control will be an area you will have complete, out-of-control chaos. If you can't control yourself, you can't control your mouth, you can't control what you see, what you hear, how you behave, and you really can't control yourself, you're quickly going to find out that your life is going to get out of control. In fact, self-control is defined in the dictionary as the ability to control oneself physically and emotionally. It's the ability to control your inner desires 
especially, it says, in difficult times. In the Bible, the word self-control in the Hebrew and the Greek both means a continual, continual, continual mastery. It means that you are in control. I mastered this constantly, constantly and constantly. I have control. So there's a lot of areas in our lives we might say right now are completely out of control. And what's the problem? It's a lack of self-control. Whether that area is emotional, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, your lack of self-control is destroying your life. Let me make this clear. Your lack of self-control will ruin your marriage. Your lack of self-control can cost you your job, your reputation, your destiny. Your lack of self-control is what's making you weaker. Your lack of self-control is the reason you're in debt. Your lack of self-control is the reason you don't have a strong relationship with God. Your lack of self-control is why you have a habit. Your lack of self-control is why you're addicted. Your lack of self-control is why you can keep repeating that same choice of sin. Your lack of self-control is what has your life out of control. When you think about this, Paul said it best. He was honest. In the book of Romans, Paul writes this verse we opened up with, and he's writing to a church, and this is Paul. And if you don't know who Paul really is, let me just give you a little biography here. Paul was a man that really loved God. Paul was a man that literally wrote a third of the New Testament we preach from today. Paul preached all around the world. Paul planted churches. Because of Paul, millions of people heard the gospel even today. Paul was a great man of God. When you look at Paul's life, if you saw him in the flesh, you would literally say, now there is a person that has it all together. There is a person that always does it right. There is a person that's so godly and powerful. I bet he doesn't even struggle at all with sin. But Paul writes this shocking letter to a church. And he says, if you think I have it together, let me be honest with you. The things I want to do, I don't. The sin, I know it's wrong, I do it. In fact, Paul begins to write about this battle that he has with sin in his life. Paul has this battle with making the wrong choices. And while Paul is there helping people, he needs help himself. Why Paul is really helping set people free from sin, he has a bondage himself. And let this encourage you because it's let, it lets us know as Christians, we're not always going to have it all together. As Christians, you're going to have a moment where you're in the flesh. 
As Christians, you're going to have this moment that you're going to fall and mess up and struggle with certain sins and choices in your life. And as Paul begins to write about this, he's really talking about this battle. And all of us are in this battle. And if you will think about Paul, the board game that represents him the best. These battleships. How many remember this game growing up? It's my favorite game. I cheated, but it's my favorite game. When you think about your life and Paul, it feels like a battleship. It feels like a lot of you, you're battling right now. You're battling for your children. You're battling for your marriage, your family. You're battling for your health. You're battling with this sin. The interesting thing about battleships and why it's so much like Paul and so much like life is because in this game, you have red pieces and white pieces. In this game, it's letting you know you're going to have some hits. You're going to have some misses. And there are certain areas in your life, you're hitting it. You're not struggling with it. It's not a problem. In fact, some of the hits in your life might be someone else's misses. And you say, well, Pastor, I got this. I'm on target because this is what battleships is all about, hitting the target. But what about those areas in your life? You have a lot of misses. In fact, the word sin in the Bible literally means to miss the mark, to miss the target. So what are those areas in your life you're saying, well, God, you know, this is a hit. I have this in this area. But there's another area in my life that sadly, I keep missing. I keep stumbling. I keep messing up. And while I have some areas in my life I'm strong and I don't struggle with, there's other areas in my life that it seems like I can go a few days with, but then I miss. I try not to watch it, but I miss. I I try not to try it, but I miss. I I try not to say it, but I miss. Pastor, I really try not to do it. But I miss. And this is the story of so many Christians and people alike. All of us have some hits. Amen? But how many of us, like Paul, can be honest and say... I have some misses. Come on, humble yourself. I don't have it all together. This is the time I look up, because if if I look at you, oh, he's talking to me. I'm not. I'm not. We all have misses. And Paul is saying, I'm missing a lot. 
And what's interesting about this game, Battleships, and why it's so much like our lives, is because you're trying to win this battle, but the, so is the devil on the other side. And the devil is not omniscient, meaning he doesn't know everything, can't read your mind. So you know what he does? He tries to throw things at you to see where he can hit. Come on, you remember when they, they said B12, you said no. A12, ah, you got me. And what happened? Right after that, he kept hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. And that's what the devil does. The devil looks at you and says, you know, is it, is it your temper? Nah, they have that together. Is it your emotions? Oh, that one worked. Oh, they're struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness. I'm not going to let go. And the devil keeps putting the hits on you and the hits on you to the point that it feels like your life is sinking. And you're losing this battle. Why does that happen? Because the devil knows where to hit you. The devil knows Walmart bothers me. And it's in the moment that I'm in the spirit and I'm happy and I'm worshiping that I have to go to Walmart and someone hits me. In fact, just last Sunday, on the way to church, I had to stop by Walmart. I don't know why I don't learn. But you ever struggle with the shopping cart pulling it out? And I'm there and I pull it and it gets stuck and I'm like, and I'm struggling and I'm struggling. And this lady just comes, and once I set the, the cart free, a lady just comes and goes, gracias, and grabs it. And the devil went, gotcha. And I said, you're lucky, lady, I'm on my way to church. If this was Monday. Come on, how many of you know that during the week it feels like the devil knows where to get you? Your kids know. Where to get you? Your co-workers know where to get you. And when the devil knows he has you on target, it could be your emotions. It could be your temper. It could be alcohol. Substance abuse, pornography, sex. The devil knows we're in a battle. And I'm not going to waste my time where I miss. I'm going to get you where it hurts. And the devil knows all I need is just a woman or a man. Oh, I, all I need is, is lust. All I need to throw at them is money. Pleasure. All I need to throw at them is anger and guilt and shame. And I know that if I hit them long enough, eventually they'll sink. In fact, I've seen as a pastor so many lives sink. I've seen pastors sink. I've seen churches sink. I've seen marriages sink. I've seen families sink. I've seen people sink. Everything just gets destroyed. 
And if you really trace it back, you might say, oh, it's because of the sin they did. It's because of the choices they made. It's because of what they saw. It's because of what they said. No, it all comes down to this. It's all because of a lack of self-control. It's all a lack of self-control. If you think of any area in your life where it seems the devil is just hitting you and hitting you and hitting you and you just keep missing and missing and missing, I guarantee that is an area where you have a lack of self-control. In verse 24, this is what Paul said because he keeps missing. He said two things that caught my eye. What a miserable person I am. This is a Bible writing, godly, Jesus-loving Christian. And he's saying, I'm miserable. Could you love Jesus and be miserable? Paul's saying, what a miserable person I am. And then he says, who will free me? In other words, he's saying, I feel trapped. I feel like I'm in bondage. And I'm miserable. I love Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven. I preach His Word. I study the Scriptures. But I'm miserable. Because I keep missing in this area in my life. And it's really ruining my life. It's ruining my family. It's ruining my walk with God. And if I keep missing and missing and missing, I keep staying miserable and in bondage to the point that I know if I don't change, this is going to sink. This is going to be destroyed. Why wait for it to sink? Why wait for your life to be destroyed? Why wait for your marriage to end? Why wait? To lose your job. Why wait to get sick and die? Why wait? Do something now. If you see your family sinking, do something now. If you see your relationship with God is going under, do something now. If you see that your mental health, your physical health is declining and sinking, do something now. Don't wait for the devil to say, I sunk you. To then say, I need a change. I need to stop. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a miserable, trapped Christian. Do you? There's a lot of people that feel trapped and miserable. They say, oh, Pastor, I just feel trapped in this life. I feel trapped in this job. I feel trapped with debt. I feel trapped with these emotions. And I'm miserable. But Paul says, who will set me free? He didn't say what will set me free because it's not a what, it's a who. And his name is Jesus. He doesn't say what because everyone that is miserable and trapped, they go to the what first. Maybe the what is, I need some money. What? I need some pleasure. What? I need this. I need a girlfriend. I need a boyfriend. I need a job. I need a promotion, a car, a house, clothes, money. I need this. Maybe if I take a vacation. Maybe if I do this. But Paul says, I'm miserable. I'm trapped. 
and I need Jesus. I'm miserable. I'm trapped. I need Jesus. And people tell me, well, pastor, I need to be more patient. Pastor, I I need to love more. Pastor, I need to be stronger. Pastor, I need to stop. No, you need Jesus. You need, I have Jesus. So did Paul. Paul saying, I need help. And that help comes from the Lord. Your lack of self-control is what's causing your life to get out of control. It's what's causing you to have this lack of freedom and misery. And I see often so many people trapped. My job is all about seeing people trapped. And they pray and they seek counseling and they try, but the devil tries to tell you, you you can't change. Can I tell you something? The devil's right. You can't. But with God, all things are possible. Let me help you to have more self-control in your life. I guarantee if you really pay attention, today you will have the foundation to live with self-control, gain control back in your life, and possibly never go back to that very thing that's destroying and sinking your life. You guys want that? All right. Before we get to the how, let me hurt your feelings a little bit. Ready? All right, Lord, help them, Jesus. Help them, Jesus. Number one, it's all in Paul, what Paul was saying. Paul was venting. Wisdom venting, though. Number one, self-control is more than desire. Let me explain. Look at verse 15 for a minute. Paul says, I don't really understand myself. You guys ever feel like that? Like, I don't get myself. I don't understand why I do it, why I say it, why I keep doing it. I don't really understand myself. And if you don't, let me tell you, sometimes I don't understand you. I don't really understand myself. And here's a key phrase. For I want, I want, can I say that with me? I want to do what is right. Amen. But Paul is being honest. Self-control is more than just desire. It's more than just wanting. Let me explain something to you. A lot of people want to change. A lot of people want to stop. You look at a person that is heavily addicted to alcohol, for example, because I've worked with many of them. And I ask them, Do you want to change? The first thing they tell me is, I want this to stop. I don't want to be controlled by this. 
When I meet with someone whose marriage is sinking and falling apart, they say, Pastor, I don't want to be divorced. I want to be a better husband. When I see someone that has bad habits, they say, Pastor, I want to stop. But let me be clear with you, just like Paul was, wanting it will do nothing to change it. Here's the biggest lie the world tells you. If you want it bad enough, you'll get it. That is a lie from the devil himself. Because wanting is just the first step. It's not the only step. The majority of people losing the battles in their life, they want to change. They want to stop. They want to get better. They want to get healthy. They want to get closer to God. The problem that Paul says is, in verse 15, I want to do what's right. The problem is, he says, but I don't do it. I don't do it. But you want it. You say, Pastor, I want it. I asked you, if I would ask you right now, hey, do you want to change? You say, yeah. Hey, do you want to get closer to the Lord? Yeah. Do you want to be set free from that sin? Absolutely. But wanting it is not enough. Let me, let me illustrate this for you. For those who struggle with self-control, got this this morning. Some of you, your focus has gone out the door. Oh. How many of you on a diet right now? Yeah, all right. You won't be after church. Let me illustrate this through Krispy Kreme donuts. You see, you, you want to change. You... You want to look good this summer. You want to lower your cholesterol. You, you want to lose some weight. You, you really want to be healthy. You, you really want to live longer and you want to be able to walk better. You, you want to be able to fit into your clothes. You, you want to be able to... And what did I just do? Hey, was wanting enough. But that's the problem with people in church today. We spend so much time giving you the desire, but not enough time teaching you the discipline. Because wanting is not enough. It requires discipline. And you say, well, Pastor, I know this. I've heard this. No, you haven't. Listen to me. It requires discipline. Any area in your life you want to change requires discipline. Not just wanting. You want to be a better husband, wife, discipline. You want to be a better parent, discipline. You want to be a greater Christian, discipline. You want to be healthy, discipline. You want to be able to control your eyes, your mouth, your ears, discipline. 
any area of your life. You want to see, get back in control, and even change. It's discipline. Wanting is not enough. Can I teach you a simple thing that's going to help you get disciplined? Because it's easy for me to sit here and say, be disciplined. And you're thinking, I'm trying. But you brought donuts to church. Let me help you. Discipline. It's choosing. Ready? Discipline. It's choosing. What you want most versus what you want now. Discipline is choosing what you want most than what you want now. Let me explain. What do I want right now? I want this in my mouth. I want to eat it. Taste it. I want to enjoy it. Isn't that what you want now? But what do you want most? I want to be healthy. I want to be free from sickness. I want to look good on the beach. Pastor, I'm so unhealthy, I am not a stumbling block to men's eyes. I'm just... You know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm not a Pastor, I know my body's a temple. I feel like a mega church. I'm just big. What do you want most versus what do you want now? Listen. Does what you want now go with what you want most? What do I want now? I want to taste it. What do I want most? Be healthy. But what I want to do now, is it going to help you get to where I want most? No. And choose not to do it. It goes far beyond health, church. What do you want most for your marriage? Come on. What do you want most? I want to grow old with them. I want to stop fighting. I, I, I want love. I, I want intimacy. I want my best friend. What do I want most, Pastor? I just want to stay together. What do you want now? I want to strangle them. I want a divorce. I, right now, right? If you would ask me right now, it's illegal. Sometimes what you want to do now is you just want to tell them off. But if what you want now doesn't line up to what you want most, don't do it. Your mindset has to be most. What do I want most? Not now. Right now doesn't line up with what I want most. If it's that, if it's financial, Freedom that you want most. You're saying, Pastor, I just want to be debt free. I want a savings. I, I want to be able to rest assured that, that I have money in the bank. I don't want to live with this bondage of debt anymore. 
That's what I want most. What do you want now? That purse. That fishing rod. I want that dress. I want this. Now. But what you want now, does it line up with what you want most? What do you want most with God? Pastor, I just want to be close. What I want most with God is to have a close relationship with Him. I want to read my Bible and have it read me back. I want to worship. I want the joy of my salvation. I really want to experience God's presence. I want to feel like I'm saved. I want to feel like I'm spiritual. I want to feel like I'm pleasing God. That's what I want most. What do you want now? I want to sleep in this morning, not go to church. I want to binge watch a show for three hours, not open up my Bible. I don't want us to wake up early to pray. I don't want, now, I don't want to study the Word of God. Right now, I don't want to go to Bible study on Wednesday. That's not what I want now. But if what you want now doesn't line up with what you want most, why are you going to choose the now? Do you understand what discipline is now? It's choosing with what you want most than what you want now. Self-control is more than just desire. Self-control is discipline. Discipline is choosing what I want most versus what I want now. Because right now, saying it is going to feel great. Right now, doing it is going to feel amazing. Right now, it's going to gratify me. But is it going to lead to what you want most? Self-control is more than a desire. It's discipline. Verse 16, self-control is more than knowing it's wrong. I know what I am doing is what? Wrong. I never understood this as a pastor. Someone sits down with me and I tell them what's wrong. I tell them what's sin. I tell them, and you know the first thing out of their mouth? I know. I know. And I'm thinking, if you know, why are you doing it? Because I have no discipline. I know it's wrong. See, self-control goes more than just a desire. And self-control goes more than just knowledge of what is wrong. You can't blame your out-of-control life on ignorance. You can't blame your out-of-control life on your ignorance. Everyone who's ever destroyed their life didn't say, I didn't know what I was doing was wrong. Every person that has ever made bad choices that have left terrible consequences has never said, I just didn't know what I was doing was wrong. I did not know what I was saying was wrong. I didn't know that what my action was hurting them. I did not know it was wrong. Knowledge is not enough. You know it's wrong. 
you know it's wrong. And if you think that, if I just know more about what I'm doing wrong, I'll change. No, you won't. See, my biggest, this illustration came because a while back, after I finished working out, I went to Krispy Kreme and got a donut. Because I was going through my email and this promotional code came. And I'm like, eh. But I kid you not, a few, another email came and it really taught, it was about health. And I was like, let me read this, I want to learn more. And the interesting thing is that this article came out of how bad Krispy Kreme donuts are. And I was like, how does it know? Is it God? And I was reading the article, man, and how bad, I can't even tell you how bad it is. But you know what? You know. But as I was reading the article, this happened, this picture in the article showed up. And I went, I know it's bad, but it looks so good. This is the exact picture I saw in the article. And something happened. I knew it was wrong. But it looked so good that I went and bought it. And that's what happens to us in the church. Knowledge is not the problem. We are beyond knowledge when it comes to the Word of God. You can read a book. You can download a podcast. You can come to church. I preach and preach and preach. And I know that at least in this church, you're learning. You're growing. You know. You know that you know that you know. The problem is not knowing it's wrong. The problem is your perception. Because I'm sure someone else read that article and perceived it differently than I did and said, wow, I'll never touch a donut again. That's bad. But when I saw the same article, my perception was, why am I hungry? Now I want the donut. Your perception has to change of what is wrong. Knowing it's wrong is not enough. Your perception of what is wrong has to change. You know it's wrong, but when you perceive it, you keep telling yourself, it's so good, it's going to be so awesome, it's going to feel so great. When I do it and try it and taste it and say it, it's going to be so great. But you know it's wrong. James 4.17 says, Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and you do not do it. You know what you ought to do and you do not do it. You know. Say it with me. I know. I know. That's why don't waste your time telling someone you've gained weight. They know. Don't waste your time telling someone, hey, you're far away from God. They know. Don't. Waste your time telling someone, hey, you know that's a sin. Trust me, they know. What you really got to get to is, why is your perception so wrong of this? Why are you seeing it like it's not a big deal? I know. But my perception is what gets me.
Self-control is more than the desire. Self-control is more than just knowing. Self-control, third, is more than willpower. However, how many of you have ever relied on willpower to change? How did that go? You ever tell yourself, that's it, I'm not going to do it, not going to say it. Some of you, you're going to be so encouraged this morning, you're going to, you're going to leave the church and say, that's it, that's it, I now have self-control. Get in that car on the way to launch and you lose it. Because the devil's going to say, oh, do you now? Me, hit you where it hurts. If the devil gets you when you're driving, if the devil gets you when you're frustrated, if the devil gets you when you're lonely, believe me, willpower won't save you. It is not by willpower, but by God's power that you can be set free through this. You say, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And a minute later, you do it, you click it, you buy it, you taste it, you watch it, you touch it. You ever seen people, I see it all the time, years as forward, we gain weight, we eat. The only reason that we kind of stopped was because of COVID. But listen, pre-COVID, you cannot be on a diet and go to forward. But I've seen this all the time. And where I'm guilty, I'm sure you're guilty. You're on the diet, you're good, and you show up, and there it is. You know what's crazy? Your willpower kicks in. Nah. 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 And you're like a shark circling prey. No, no, no. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Don't touch that when I touch it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Maybe, maybe, and this is funny. This is what you guys do. I've seen it. Maybe, may, let me just touch it. Let me just touch it. Once you touch it, let me, I lit a little piece. Hey, girl, you want to share? And the other girl said, I'll share just a little piece. Right? And you're like, okay, that's it. Wow, so good. Maybe, maybe half. Half. I'm just going to, just half. And I'm going to walk away and sit down. That's it. Just half. You eat your half. And then 20 minutes, an hour later, you come back. You get the other half. And then you say, wow, I can't believe I lasted two hours. I'm doing better. Can I, and some people get weird. Can I watch you eat it? What's it like? Is it good? My mom's on a diet now. When I'm eating something, she's just looking at me, right? And she's like, I eat her. What's it like? Um, and she goes, Can I smell it? Don't we do that with sin? Not going to do it. Not going to do it. And then you just kind of 
However, because you realize you do it after because you don't have willpower. It's not by willpower that you get set free from what you don't want to do anymore. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of what? Self-control. Self-control is a spirit. Whenever you see that phrase in the Bible, the Bible's letting you know you can't do it by yourself. Are you listening? You can't do it by yourself. Willpower does not work. Even the Bible says it is by my spirit that you will have self-control. It's wrong. I hear it all the time. Even in the church, don't ever say, I have the power to do this. I have the power to change. I hear it in the pulpit. Just claim the Lord. You, you have the power. You have no, you don't. You know, people that truly get set free are the ones that say, I don't have the strength for this. I don't have the power. Let me set you free right now in the name of Jesus. You don't have the power to change. You don't have the power to stop. You don't have the power. You need the Lord's strength. The Bible says, when I am weak, He is strong. The Bible is clear. It says, when I am weak, as human beings in our sinful nature, you will be weak. And the devil knows where your weakness is. And you'll be weak when you're vulnerable. You'll be weak when you're lonely. You'll be weak when you're stressful. You'll be weak when you're angry. You'll be weak. And those that get truly set free are those that know they are weak. That's what the Bible says. Do not think that you are strong lest you fall. People that fall out of control the ones that say, I can control this. I can do this. People that say, I can drive after I've drank. I can be alone with this person, not fall. I can do this. It's not going to get me. They fall. It's not weak to admit you're weak. I admire people that come to me and say, Pastor, that's my weakness. I can't be around that. I can't look at that. I can't be near that. That's honorable. Because you know you're weak. That's why, you know... I pick on Joseph a lot in the Bible because I don't like him very much, but listen. There's one thing that Joseph did right, kind of. When he went to work, there was this co-worker that was the boss's wife. The Bible says, and every day she was flirting with him, and every day she was trying to seduce him. She was just right to the point. She went to Joseph, and she said, Hey, Joseph, yeah, why don't you just sleep with me? Let's have sex. Have sex with me. Joseph's like, No. No. And every day, because the devil is like that, the devil doesn't quit with one mist. Come on. The devil says, I'm going to get you. Every day the Bible says she tried and tried and tried. And one night, he found himself 
by accident. He wandered and, and there she was by herself and no one was around to watch. And she said, now is our time. No one's going to know. No one's going to find out. And Joseph said, you're the, you're the husband of my boss. And how can I even do this against God? And what I love about Joseph is he ran. You know why Joseph ran? Because he knew if I stay here long enough, I'm going to do it. Joseph knew I'm weak in this area. And if I stay long enough near this, I'm going to do it. So before I can even touch it and be around it, I'm going to run from it. He knew he was weak. Versus Samson who thought he was strong. Samson said, I'm so strong, I could be alone and lay on the lap of Delilah and nothing's going to happen. I'll shake myself free like before. And the devil got him. It's not willpower. Verse 18 is clear that Paul said, why? It's not willpower. I know that nothing good lives in me. You know, it sounds like he's being hard on himself. He's being honest and biblical. Nothing good lives in us. We have a sinful nature. God says through this, I know that nothing good lives in me. You want to be set free, start telling yourself, I'm not a good person. I'm weak. I will fail. It's my sinful nature. And even though I want to do what's right, here's the, here's the freedom. Ready? I want to do what's right, but I, what? Can't. I can't. For anyone that says, no, I know I can. You can't. But God can. Willpower is like a muscle. You use it and for a while it's strong, it's good, but then it gets weaker. And weaker. As you keep using it. You get tired. Paul says, I can't. See, my prayer tonight, today is that you, deep within yourself, you say, God, I, I can't stop. Lord, I, I can't change. Lord, I, I can't stop watching it. I, I can't stop saying it. I can't stop doing it. Lord, I just, I can't. Lord, I want to get closer to you. I can't. I want to stop this. Lord, I can't. You know what? God's going to look at you right there and you know what He's going to say? I know. I know you can't. But that's why I sent my son Jesus to do what you can't do out of your own strength. I can't. Come on, say it with me. I can't. I can't.
And I know this message doesn't make you feel good when I tell you, you can't. You won't. But Paul said, who will set me free? You know what Paul realized? I can't. But I know freedom is possible. Church, you can't. But it doesn't mean that freedom is out of reach. Because Paul said, who can set me free? No one but Jesus Christ. He said, thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God for Jesus. Because through His death and resurrection, not only do we have salvation, we have the Helper, the Holy Spirit living inside us. That same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead says it's living in you. You can get out of this. You can stop this. In Christ. If you keep praying about it, wanting it, Nothing will happen. What do you do? When you're out of control and you have a lack of self-control and you can't control yourself, the first step is to realize, I can't. But here's where you're failing. Galatians 5.16 is the answer. It says, I say, this is Paul, I'm saying this. Maybe Paul's saying it because he knows he's lived it. Live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Remember, no good lives in you. You have a sinful nature. But the Bible says, having the sinful nature is not the problem. It's gratifying that sinful nature. The problem is not the donuts, God says. The problem is your lack of self-control giving in to the desire for the donuts. As long as you live, the donuts will always be in front of you. So the donut is not the problem. You are. God says, live by the Spirit. That word live and the Greek word literally means to walk. It's the literal Greek word pedopateo, which literally means to walk. But not just walk. Pedopateo literally means to continue. It's an action to continue to do something and be preoccupied with. You know what Jesus says here? I want you to live your life with me. Every day you wake up, you spend time with the Lord. And if you can, you're on your way to work. You spend time with the Lord. You start praying in the car. You do what you want, whatever you have a choice to make. You say, Lord, help me make the right choice. Lord, give me the wisdom to do what's right. Lord, teach me what to do. Involve God in your life. Involve Him. The Bible says you got to continue. 
to live your life with God. Do you think one Sunday a week is enough to set you free? On a daily battle, you need a daily walk with God. The devil doesn't get you only on Sundays. So Sunday is not enough. So walk with the Lord. You spend time with Him. You keep walking with God. The Bible says that in Galatians 5.16, the Bible is clear about this. Live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. When you begin to walk with God, it begins to change your desires. And the book of Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And one of those fruits is self-control. And the reason that it refers to it as a fruit is because it takes time to grow. So you walk with God. As we close, we got to walk with God. And when I look at people's lives who are out of control and miserable and trapped, it's interesting that what I see in them is a lack of walking with God daily. You stop going to church. You stop reading your Bible. You stop praying. You stop serving. But see, God says, when you walk with me step by step every day, keep doing it. Keep doing it. What's walking? Doing it again. Step. Okay, now another step. Okay, another step. Continue. Continue. Lord, I want to continue to be with you. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to be in the Word. I'm going to continue to walk with you. And as you begin to walk with God, the Bible says your desires begin to change. The Holy Spirit enables you to do what you can't do on your own. So walk with God. Let me ask you this, church. How's your walk with God? Everyone knows the answer to that. How's your walk with God? Is it daily? Is it continuous? I love that Greek word because it means continuous and to be preoccupied with. You know where the devil is hitting you the most and why you're sinking and why everything's falling apart? I guarantee it's because you're not preoccupied with God anymore. You're preoccupied with life. You're preoccupied with your job. You're preoccupied with your children. You're preoccupied with laundry. You're preoccupied with activities. You're preoccupied with everything you're doing in your life. And when you're not preoccupied with God, you're not going to be continuous with God. And when you're not continuous with the Spirit, you're going to be continuous in the flesh. And when you're continuous in the flesh, you're going to make choices that's going to begin to sink and get out of control in your life. missing. You're miserable. Because you got to walk with God. So you know, I don't walk with Him anymore like I used to. And start. Two weeks ago, I had this cut on my finger. And I ignored it. It hurt. It hurt. But I ignored it. 
let it go. I just ignored it. Some of you are like that with life and sin and choices. You, you know you're making things, you're making choices in your life that are hurting you, but you just ignore it. Hurting your family, just ignoring. You're choosing things that are hurting your spouse, you ignore it. You're doing things that are hurting your children, but you ignore it. You're doing things that are hurting God, but you ignore it. And what happens if I ignored it, it got infected. So I'm like, weird stuff started coming out. I'm like, man, what's going on? And it got worse. And it started affecting everything I was doing. Everything I needed to hold hurt. Everything I needed to touch hurt. When I was driving, it started hurting. And I kept ignoring it. And when I was at the gym with Jerrica and we're working out, every time I did one rep, I go, ah. And it wasn't that type of, uh, you know what I'm saying? It was, my finger hurts. Jerrica said, let me see it. She said, whoa! You got to take care of it. And you know what I said? Eh, I'll be fine. She said, no, you won't. When I got home, I bought this cream for it. And when I read the cream, it came with instructions. And one of the instructions really caught my eye. It said, apply to troubled area. Apply as needed. And as I followed that direction, it was healed. And that's where you need to be with God today. You're saying, Pastor, I'm hurting. My choices are hurting. Me, my family, others. My words are hurting. My actions are hurting. And I keep ignoring it. I know it's wrong, but I keep ignoring it. I know I'm headed the wrong way, but I keep ignoring it. I know I'm not right, but I keep ignoring it. And there comes a point that it will begin to affect you in every area of your life. But see why you need a daily walk with the Lord? Because this cream didn't say apply it Sunday morning only. This cream said apply it daily or as needed. Do you need God every day? See, when I spend time with God, what's interesting is that the air, the troubled area in my life, I go to His Word for. And when I soak the Word of God in that troubled area in my life, the Holy Spirit begins to give me instructions. And when I receive those instructions, I apply it. And when I apply it daily and continue to apply it, it begins to change. That's why you need Jesus every day. Because every day you're going to have trouble. And you're going to have a troubled area. And that's a troubled area that Jesus says, I can fix that. But you're not willing to spend time with me daily. You're not willing to walk with me. You're preoccupied with everything else. But me. But if you would just apply daily, one of the greatest gifts you have is time with God. Daily. 
You don't know what it is to sit down by yourself and read and feel like the Lord is just talking to you daily. Or when you're driving and you just want to cry, but you just worship. Or when you're sitting in church and it took everything to get you here, but but God is using some handsome guy to preach to you. And it's exactly what you needed to hear. Why? Because we serve a God that says, I want a life with you, not a Sunday with you, not an Easter with you. I want a life with you. But you're so preoccupied that it's no wonder the devil keeps hitting you and hitting you and hitting you on target. Apply as needed. How much do you need the Lord today? We serve a God that says, I will instruct you. I will guide you. I will give you wisdom. I will give you strength. I will give you power. I will give you mercy. I will give you the grace needed to conquer this day. And you're not going to take it? Let's pray. If you're out of control and you're saying, Pastor, I have no willpower. I have the desire. I have the knowledge. I know it's wrong, but I keep doing it. I'm far from God. But today, I just want to rededicate and begin to walk again. It's going to take time. It's going to take step. That's why God says it's a walk with the Lord, not a run. Little by little, step by step, you get back into the Word of God. You get back into prayer. You get back into serving. You get back. And you'll begin to see the fruit of that. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, my life is out of control. Today is the day you say, Lord, I need you. Not just today, but every day. Lord, forgive me for being preoccupied with everything else but you. My flesh is weak and I'm giving into it. I am miserable. I am trapped. But in the name of Jesus, I know I have freedom. And I will walk in this freedom. I will live in this freedom. The Holy Spirit is stronger than the worst desire in me. And with the Lord, all things are possible. And with the Lord, I can conquer and move mountains. And with the Lord, I can die to that flesh of mine. And with the Lord, I am set free. But forgive me, Lord, for not being with you. If this is your honest to God prayer today, you put that hand up, you're saying, Pastor, I declare this morning, I will walk with the Lord again. God bless you, dear, all around the room, all around the room. It's okay to say, Lord, I am struggling. Let's all stand to our feet today as we close this series. Lord Jesus, thank you for this series and this word. We know we're in the battle and the devil is really getting to us. Father, today, we rely on your spirit. We rely on your strength. 
to help us overcome that area in your life where we're missing. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would honor you in our actions, in our words, in our eyes, in our ears. That we would honor you as we walk daily with you. And thank you for your mercy and your grace that's renewed every day in our lives. Help us to have control of ourselves by walking with you. It's not by knowledge. It's not by willpower. It's not by desire. But only through you and the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to get back in control. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you guys. That's the end of our series. You guys survived out of control.